You're hanging out After Hours with Matt Anderson, presented by Inside the Gamecocks. Welcome into the Late Night Gamecock Show. I am your host, Matt Anderson, and I am your source for all things Gamecock After Dark. If you're joining me for the first time, welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to have you here. Uh, pull up a chair, get on the elliptical, put your headphones in. Um, just have a good time with me, and we'll talk a lot of Gamecock sports. Um, normally, the weekly rotation for this show is on Thursday or Friday nights. You will find the show in this format, just where you found me. Um, whatever um, podcast source that you're using, whether it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever, that's where you can find this show. And then on Monday nights, we have a live YouTube show at 9 p.m. And you can find that wherever you find, you know, JB, JC, and and Phil when they have their their weekly daily show. Um, so with that out of the way, I just wanted to start this show out by you know remembering the late great Tommy Moody. Uh, Tommy was a fantastic human being first and foremost. My my thoughts and my prayers go out to his family and loved ones. Um, everybody in Gamecock Athletics is mourning the passing of Tommy Moody. It's not going to be the same, you know, listening to Gamecock radio games. It's not going to be the same um, at different Gamecock events with when, um, you know, Letterman come back and, and celebrate their careers and celebrate the Gamecocks. There, there wasn't a person on this earth who loved the Gamecocks as much as Tommy Moody did. And, you know, talk about a walking encyclopedia of Gamecock facts and figures and statistics and, um, it was it was uncanny how he could remember and recall different times of um, Gamecock athletes' careers and, you know, how the Gamecocks performed this season versus that. So um, really, really sad, really, really tough time for anybody that knew Tommy. And, and I do want to quickly shout out um, on Wednesday, JB and Phil had a great show remembering Tommy Moody. Um, they had Ray Tanner. They had Mark Kingston. They had Monty Lee. They had pretty uh, pretty much everybody that had spent significant amount of time with Tommy was on that show, and it was a great tribute to Tommy's life. And if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend that you go and and check that out. It's something that I'll probably want to rewatch over and over again um, as we all kind of process and and deal with the loss of, of Tommy Moody. On that note, um, you know, I do want to shout out John Whittle um, on the Gamecock message board, the Big Spur. Um, my fellow staffer, staff member um, did put this on the board. And I'm just going to read it verbatim because I think it's just the best way to do it. Uh, John Whittle said, like most of you, I was stunned by the passing of Tommy Moody. He was 72 years old, but the man was in phenomenal shape. And it was just shocking that he passed. He was making plans to be at the baseball scrimmage on Wednesday. He was one of the nicest people I've ever met. I loved hearing his stories and just talking ball with him. He listened to my thoughts on things, even though he has more baseball knowledge in his pinky finger than I have, period. Truly such a great guy. Um, a couple things. There's a celebration of his life Monday at 2 p.m. at Founders Park, which is open for anyone to attend. And they are also going to establish a scholarship in Tommy Moody's name, if you'd like to make a donation, there's a flyer attached below, and there's a link um, to an online obituary with several comments from friends. Um, they're asking for donations in lieu of flowers. Um, you can send this to the Rice Athletic Center. Um, address it to Tyson Lusk. Tyson is T-Y-S-O-N, and Lusk is L-U-S-K. 
1304 Hayward Street, Columbia, South Carolina, 29208. So just incredibly sad, incredibly tough to, to lose to lose a Tommy Moody. So we, we tip our hat to Tommy, and we know that he's in a better place now, and he'll be watching all those Gamecock games from, from up in heaven. So um, just rest in peace, Tommy. So really tough, really tough there. But, um, you know, this, as Tommy would say, you know, the show goes on. Gamecock sports continue. Let's, um, let's move into some Gamecock sports. So we're going to talk about recruiting first. And there's not a lot here, but I did want to make note that it's trending more and more for an ultimate flip for Cameron Fountain to flip from, South, from Southern California to South Carolina. Uh, for those of you that don't know who Cameron Fountain is, he is a six foot five, six foot six, two hundred and thirty five pound defensive end from Atlanta, Georgia. Um, he's currently ranked in the top top one hundred prospects in the country on composite. He's um, the number nine um, defensive end in the country. He would obviously be um, a, a big get for the Gamecocks. Um, really big get to pair him with Dylan Stewart. You know, you get two elite defensive ends in the same class that can grow together, make um, life on SEC quarterbacks difficult for South Carolina. So I, I talked a while back that I thought Cameron Fountain decommitting from Southern Cal was probably in that 75, 80, 90 percent range. I, I think it's probably 100 percent now. He's not going to end up at Southern California, uh, at Southern Cal, I should say. Um, at the time, I thought it was about 50-50 between, you know, the Gamecocks and and Auburn and, and maybe some other teams. I'm, I'm I'm feeling really confident where the Gamecocks stand with Cameron Fountain. And at this point, I would I would lean towards him ultimately ending up in South Carol at South Carolina. I think that you'll see him take some recruiting visits. Um, I think you'll see him come to Carolina for games a couple more times unofficially and, and probably as an official visitor as well. I don't know when they'll use the official visit if they want to do it for a home game weekend or they'd rather do it when they can have more time with him, um, potentially, you know, November before the dead period starts for the first national signing day. Um, I'm also feeling really good about um, Quashid um, Scott. I think he's ultimately going to flip from Kentucky to South Carolina as well. So Gamecocks are on in, in the middle of flip season now. And, and I've mentioned in the past that Gamecocks weren't going to take just warm bodies and, and they were going to take truly elite players, and they were working behind the scenes, and that's that's that is true. I think that you know Cameron Fountain and, and Quasheed Scott are not going to be the last flips for the Gamecocks. So, if you're on the Big Spur, um, stay tuned, stay locked in there. Um, you know Hale, JC, Tony, Whittle, and the gang are are always on top of that kind of stuff, and we'll talk about it on this show as well. If you're not on the Big Spur, it's a great time to be on the Big Spur. Um, we're getting into the, the final stretch of the football season, but you got basketball coming up. Baseball is right around the corner. Um, so a lot of activity on the Big Spur message boards. I highly encourage you to to hop on there. Some of the news so far this week has a lot of it's actually been about um, SEC media days for the basketball program. Um, that happened this past week, and, and one of the big headlines was Lamont Paris was a little confused and didn't understand how the Gamecocks were ranked last in the SEC according to the preseason polls and the preseason votes from the media. I'm just going to go on the record here and tell you that I'm, I'm right there with Lamont. Uh, I don't think the Gamecocks will finish last in the SEC. I would, I would bet a large sum of money that does not happen. Uh, I don't mean that to say that the Gamecocks are going to finish first in the SEC. 
Um, I think a good season this year would be middle of the pack in the SEC. The SEC is going to be a really, really tough, tough conference. It For my money, the SEC this year, um, SEC and Big Ten are probably the two best conferences in the country, just top to bottom. And when you... When you think about this upcoming basketball season, and, and I wanted to do some basketball talk on this show because, you know, when we have the Monday night show, it, it's kind of hard to to break away from what folks in the in the chat box want to talk about. And, and I'm all for, you know, us catching up and talking in the chat box and just keeping whatever conversation going that, that's there. So uh, when I have the opportunity to be solo, I, I wanted to take the time to talk about basketball. It's, it's clearly coming. And I think there's some growing excitement around South Carolina as it stands right now. So where I like to look, um, I always look at two main sites when I'm doing my basketball research. The first is barttorvik.com. And that's spelled, if you want to go look it up, um, I highly recommend it. It's a free website. You can do a lot with it. It's, it's really adaptable and a really fun website, but it's B A R T T O R V I K. So barttorvik.com. He has the Gamecocks predicted to finish 109th in the country. So he's saying that they will be the 109th best team in the country. And his metrics actually do have the Gamecocks finishing last in the SEC with a record of 13 and 17 overall and 5 and 13 in the SEC. Um, you know, when you look at this, though, and, and one of the reasons I say that, you know, while I don't think the Gamecocks are going to finish last, it's going to be a really tough run um, for the Gamecocks. Looking at Bart Torbick's rankings, he has Tennessee as fifth in the country, Texas A&M 10th, Kentucky 17th, Alabama 20th, Arkansas 22nd, Florida 25th, Auburn 26th. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of the top 26 teams in the country are in the SEC. And then moving on down, he has Ole Miss 39th, Mississippi State 40th, Missouri 43rd, LSU 49th. And so... You know, add that up, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. 11 teams in the SEC are ranked in the top 50, according to Bart Torvik. And then you have Vanderbilt, Georgia, and South Carolina bringing up the rear with Vanderbilt ranked 80th, Georgia 88th, and South Carolina 109th. So it's tough sledding. It's always tough sledding the SEC. Um, one thing that I will say, these sites and these websites I'm going to talk about are going to get a lot better as the season goes on, there's going to be a lot more data collected, which lets them make um, better better opinions on teams, and it's going to be backed up by data. So when you have as many transfers that the Gamecocks are welcoming into their program this year and how they mesh together and what the Gamecocks' identity is going to be like, a lot of this is taking statistics from last season for the Gamecocks side of things and meshing in the newcomers, which is not always easy to do. So don't get alarmed at 109th in the country. It's still top third in the country. I mean, it's still not nothing to sneeze at, but don't be alarmed at finishing last on some of these preseason stuff. The other website I, I like to look at a lot is uh, kenpom.com, and that's K-E-N-P-O-M.com. So kenpom.com, you can you can check that website out, and you can kind of see their like the main page that Ken Pomeroy has. Um, but you can't access the individual teams without paying. I think it's twenty two ninety five a year. Uh, for for my money, twenty two ninety five to get into the analytics for each team is well worth it. I subscribe to this every single year. But he actually has South Carolina finishing um, 
one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelfth in the SEC. And he's predicting um, South Carolina to go seven and one in conference. But when you look at his ranking, he actually has South Carolina 66th in the country. So again, that just speaks to the quality of opponents in the SEC. Uh, he, if you look at this, he actually, when you when you pay the 22.95, if you decide to do it, and and really, unless you're a basketball nerd or junkie like me, you'll get all the information about South Carolina from me. So you don't have to go pay the 22.95. We'll dig into the details here. But he has the Gamecocks finishing 16 and 14 overall and 7 and 11 in the conference. The first thing that jumps out to me when looking at South Carolina this year is the non-conference schedule. Uh, the non-con has has constantly, well, it used to constantly thwart South Carolina under Frank Martin. Indoubtedly, there would be two or three losses a year to teams ranked outside of Ken Palm's 200. Um, 200 ranked to start the season. And this year, um, he's Ken Palm's actually predicting a pretty good run for South Carolina in the non-conference. Um, there, there's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 non-conference games on here. But I think the Gamecocks are in a um, um, multi-team um, tournament. So there'll, there'll probably be a, you know additional game or two in the non-conference. But um, he has the Gamecocks going 10 and 2, um, heading into the SEC portion of their season. Um, first game, by the way, is Monday, November 6th, um, against USC Upstate. Um, Ken Palm predicts South Carolina to win that game 77 to 60. Um, and then the Gamecocks will host Virginia Tech. Um, well, actually, they'll play Virginia Tech in a neutral site. Um, he has this game as a pick 'em. Um, Gamecocks predicted to lose 69 to 68. But um, when you think about Ken Palm having the Gamecocks 66th and Virginia Tech 65th, you kind of see why it really is a coin flip. Gamecocks do play Notre Dame this year in the non-conference, and that is a home game. Notre Dame is not what Notre Dame used to be under Mike Bray. Um, Mike Bray is no longer the coach at Notre Dame. Um, so that will be a big-time name coming to Colonial Life Arena where I think the Gamecocks have a really good chance of winning that game. Uh, probably the the toughest the toughest um, team the Gamecocks will play in the non-conference is Clemson. Uh, Ken Palm has that as a Gamecock loss by five points. It's at Clemson. Uh, Clemson's ranked 51st in the country, according to Ken Palm in the preseason. But, you know, just it, once you get into SEC play, it's just it's a really tough gauntlet. I mean, the Gamecocks will play uh, Mississippi State and Alabama um, home and away. So Mississippi State at home, Alabama away. Alabama is the 10th ranked team in the country, according to Ken Palm. Mississippi State the 27th. They'll get a little bit of a break with Missouri and Georgia. So just looking at those first four, uh, what is that, four games of the season, it would be great for South Carolina to to be 2-2 two and two or 3-1 and one during that run. And, and I think the Gamecocks will be a lot better than a lot of people are predicting. I think Talon Cooper is the, probably the, going to be the best point guard the Gamecocks have had in, in a number of years. He's a kid that played in the Big Ten, averaged over six to six, six assists a game, you know, threw in 12 points a game and four rebounds. He's a six foot four point guard. I think it's going to allow Michi Johnson to kind of step away from some of that point that point guard role and just be a, a scorer, which was what Michi really is. But then you add in BJ Mack. Um, he's a transfer. He's coming from a lower level of competition. 
I, he really just needs to continue to get in better shape. He's a he's a below the rim player, so he's not going to be a guy that's going to be dunking on a lot of people. I think um, an underrated addition is Miles Stute from Vanderbilt. Uh, he's a guy that had a couple. He had a handful of double digit games. He started a lot of games for Vanderbilt last year. He's a six foot seven kind of kind of wing. Played a lot of basketball in the SEC. I like him a lot. Um, I really do. Jacoby Wright, we've seen him have big games for the Gamecocks in the past. Uh, a lot of double-digit scoring games. Um, we're going to see Embrima Deba come back this year. And he was going to be counting on a lot for the Gamecocks last year. So getting him back is going to be a big addition. Josh Gray is just an immovable object in the paint. Um, not the best offensive player in the country, but a really good shot blocker and really good rebounder, which is exactly what the Gamecocks need out of him this year. Um, and then you have the freshman, Colin Murray Boyles. I think that he's going to be a really good player for the Gamecocks and a guy that you know can surprise this year. And then looking at that, you know, I'm looking at Bart Torvik now. He has um, Talon Cooper averaging 12.1 points per game, 4.2 rebounds, and 3.6 assists per game. I would I would tick those assist assist numbers up. Michi he has a 12.7 points per game and three assists and three rebounds. I'd probably tick the scoring number up a little bit. Uh, BJ Mack at 11.8 points per game and 4.6 rebounds. I think the Gamecocks are kind of just an unknown right now for a lot of these, a lot of the folks that are doing this um, preseason things um, as far as this goes. So didn't want to spend too long on basketball. I, I wanted to get to it though. I've been saying for a while, we're going to get to basketball and, you know, fire your questions at me. You can always reach me at um, the big spur under the username, Matt Anderson, or you can, Find me at late night gamecock show at gmail.com and we'll make sure that we talk talk a lot of gamecock hoops coming up. We still got you know roughly three weeks till the season starts. So um, we'll be there for that. I want to do a quick whip around the SEC at this point in the show. We're gonna go back to last week. Everybody knows what happened in the Florida South Carolina game. Uh, pretty pretty tough game there. Uh, gosh, it still hurts to talk about or even think about. Uh, but um, we had a bunch of games in the SEC last week, and we're kind of getting a feeling for who these teams really are. We'll start with number one in the country, Georgia, who traveled to Nashville to play Vanderbilt. Uh, Georgia won the game 37-20. to It was actually a tie game at the end of the first quarter, so maybe Georgia's going back to some of that slow start that we haven't seen out of them lately. Carson Beck kind of had a decent game, kind of came back to earth a little bit. 29-39 of 39 in the air. 261 yards, a touchdown, an interception for Georgia. Uh, Georgia did pile up 291 yards of rushing, averaging 7.5 yards per rush. Uh, so Georgia didn't have to do much in the air in this one. Um, they were actually perfectly balanced with 39 passes and 39 runs as well. Uh, the big news of the day, though, was Brock Bowers um, getting injured for Georgia. And Brock Bowers elected to have surgery. So last I saw, it was a four to six week time range. Um, so he's going to be out for a while for Georgia. So he's probably their best weapon. Uh, Georgia, you know, didn't have to do too much to beat Vanderbilt. Uh, Georgia's now seven and zero in um, overall and four and zero in the conference. Vanderbilt fell to two and six overall and zero and four in the conference. Arkansas kind of gave Alabama a game here late. Um, you know, I thought Alabama was pretty much in control of this game. The Crimson Tide ended up winning 24-21 to over the Arkansas Razorbacks. It was a 21-6 Alabama lead at halftime. And then um, 
Alabama only managed three points in the second half, and Arkansas scored 15. So that's how you get to a 24-21 game. K.J. Jefferson continued to have just a decent game. He's not the K.J. Jefferson I remember from last year, that's for sure. But K.J. Jefferson for Arkansas was 14 of 24 for 150 yards and two touchdowns. Um, In this game, Rocket Sanders did not play again. Um, I think he's dealing with some issues, um, you know, just physically. I think he's still pretty banged up. Arkansas managed 100 yards on the ground, and the wide receivers didn't do much at all. Um, But Alabama, Jalen Milrow, after looking so good in back-to-back weeks, he came down to earth as well, 10 of 21 for 238 yards and two touchdowns. Um, He didn't really get going on the ground, 11 carries for negative 19 yards, so he got sacked a good bit. Um, Alabama running the ball, 42 attempts for 177 yards and 4.2 yards per carry, so... Um, I don't know, maybe Alabama sleptwalked through this game. It kind of looked like that when I was flipping around and watching different games throughout the day. But Arkansas drops to 2-5 and five overall and 0-4 oh and in the conference. Alabama moves to 6-1 and one and 4-0 and oh in the SEC. Texas A&M and Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee defeated Texas A&M 20-13. Um, Aggies, you know, Max Johnson... We talk about he's, he's, he's A&M backup, and I wanted to watch him over the course of the season. You know, you come in hot with adrenaline when you're, when you're the backup, and you put up some good days, and, and you, he looked really good when he got called into action that first game. But, you know, 16 of 34 for 223 yards and passing and then two interceptions. He had a really poor game against a tough Tennessee defense. Um, when you add on that Texas A&M couldn't get anything going running the ball, uh, Max Johnson – Contributed from negative 22 yards rushing. So, again, he took some sacks. But overall, A&M averaged 1.9 yards per rush. Uh, Joe Milton didn't have a great game either. Uh, Joe Milton was 11 for 22 for 100 yards passing, a touchdown, and an interception. But what Tennessee did well was they ran the ball 49 times for 232 yards and 4.7 yards per, per carry. I think that Tennessee is kind of hitting their stride right now. I think that A&M's coming back to earth a little bit. Um, right now, Texas A&M is 4-3 and three overall and 2-2 two and two in the conference. Uh, Tennessee is 5-1 and one and 2-1 and one in the conference. So I think Tennessee might be, um, might be Georgia's biggest um, challenge the rest of the season in the SEC East. LSU um, put up a number on Auburn. Um, LSU defeated Auburn 48-18 to in Baton Rouge. At the end of the first quarter, LSU was up 17-0. At the end of the first half, they were up 20-7. And they scored, LSU scored 28 points in the second half to really pull away from Auburn. Um, Auburn, Auburn passing has been rough this entire season. I really wish that Auburn was on the Gamecock schedule this year. Um, Auburn's quarterback Peyton Thorne was 12 of 23 for 102 yards passing, no touchdowns, no interceptions. And then Robbie Ashford actually played in this game as well at quarterback, and he went three for four for 52 yards and a touchdown. Auburn was able to do a little bit on the ground, 34 carries for 139 yards, 4.1 yards per rush. Um, Receiving, obviously, when your quarterback throws for 150 yards, there's not going to be a huge day receiving. Um, Jaden Daniels for LSU just put up another whopper of a game. Um, if I had a Heisman vote right now, I'd have to strongly consider 
Jaden Daniels to to at least be at, on the on the podium or in the room at, for the Heisman Trophy finalist. Um, Jaden Daniels went twenty of twenty seven for three hundred and twenty five yards passing, three touchdowns and one interception. Uh, Logan Diggs running the ball for the the Bayou Bengals. You remember you remember that name from the offseason. Um, Gamecocks almost landed him, but 18 carries for 97 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Jaden Daniels had 11 carries for 93 yards on the ground. LSU averaged 6.1 yards per rush. Um, you know, LSU is a fun team to watch. Uh, if you have the opportunity, go check out LSU. Um, the, that offense is really, really fun to watch, and they got playmakers at wide receiver. Auburn's probably a couple years away. I know they have a decent recruiting class, you know, pretty much the same recruiting class as South Carolina. But um, Auburn's, you know, now three and three overall, zero and three in the conference. LSU is five and two overall and four and one in the SEC. So one of the games that a lot of SEC fans kind of had penciled into their schedule, especially after the Gamecocks lost that three thirty kickoff, was the Missouri and Kentucky game Missouri traveled to Lexington Kentucky and soundly defeated the Wildcats 38 to 21 Missouri was actually down 14 nothing to start this game before they rattled off 17 consecutive points in the second quarter to take a 17 14 lead into halftime uh, then to the third quarter um, Missouri managed to manage the field goal Kentucky got a touchdown so you're looking at a, a 21-20 game going into the fourth quarter, and then Missouri just put it on Kentucky in the fourth quarter, um, scored 18 points, ended up winning the game by 17. Uh, Brady Cook um, didn't for Missouri did not have his best game throwing the ball. Uh, he was 19 of 29 for 175 yards, a touchdown and an interception. Um, Missouri was able to get some ground game going. They had um, 38 carries for 118 yards, good for 3.1 yard per rush average. Um, you know, one thing the Gamecocks are going to have to have to worry about this weekend in Columbia is um, Brady Cook's legs. Again, he had 10 carries for 40 yards, and it's one of those things where he can just kind of extend plays. Um, so, you know, be on the lookout for that. It looks like, and I. I was so mad I didn't really watch the entirety of this game. I just went out to eat and didn't didn't really care. I mean, I had it on my phone and I, I was looking it up. But, but yeah, um, Missouri actually executed <clears throat> um, a fake. Uh, Luke Bauer, who's a field goal kicker, um, had a 39-yard touchdown pass. Um, kind of surprised Kentucky there. Devin Leary, again, just looks not good. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if you're a Kentucky fan that might be listening to a Gamecock show. But Devin Leary was 14 of 27 for 120 yards passing, two touchdowns and two interceptions. Um, Kentucky did get a big day from their running back, Ray Davis, 20 carries for 128 yards. Um, Kentucky averaged 5.8 yards per rush, so maybe the Gamecocks can can find a way to get Mario Anderson going against um, Missouri this weekend. Um, Theo Weiss Jr. had six catches for 66 yards. Uh, Luther Burden actually got held down against Kentucky. Luther Burden III, who I think is a great, great wide receiver for Missouri, had two catches for 15 yards. So Kentucky did a good job there. Game just got away from them in the fourth quarter. I don't know what it says about either of these teams at this point. I'm I'm not convinced that either of these teams are are elite teams. I don't think that they're – maybe the, one of them is probably going to end up going to a, a New Year – or not a New Year's Six Bowl, but, you know, a, a pretty good – 
pretty good bowl game just because the way the SEC is laying out this year. But Missouri is now six and one on the season, two and one in the SEC. Uh, Kentucky is five and two overall and two and two in the conference. So that's where things stand with the SEC right now. Um, looking ahead to um, the SEC this week, obviously the Gamecocks are facing the Missouri Tigers, um, and that score. Well, that let's see. Yeah, so Missouri is still minus seven and a half over under fifty nine. At 12 o'clock, Mississippi State and Arkansas match up. So one team will get their first SEC win of the season. Arkansas is a six-and-a-half point favorite, and the over-under is set at 48. That game is at 12 o'clock on ESPN. Uh, the, the biggest game of the week in the SEC this weekend is undoubtedly um, Tennessee traveling to Alabama. Uh, Tennessee is a nine-point underdog to Alabama, so Alabama is favored by nine the over-under is set at 48, and that is a clash between number 17, Tennessee, and number 11, Alabama. So really interested to, to see what happens in that game. Unfortunately, it's going to be going on at the same time as the Gamecock game. It might be a two-TV day. Um, headed out of town this weekend, so I'll have to try and recruit a second TV wherever, wherever I end up. But um, 7 o'clock, you have Ole Miss traveling to Auburn. Um, kind of surprised by this line, to be honest with you. I mean, Auburn has been a better team at home than on the road, but Ole Miss is 13th in the country. Auburn, obviously not ranked. Ole Miss is only a seven point favorite with a 55 point over under. So you can find that game on ESPN. And if you missed it or I missed it, um, 3:30 CBS, obviously the Tennessee Alabama game. At 7.30 on the SEC Network, you have Army traveling to number 19, LSU. LSU is favored by 32 points, and the over-under is set at 59.5 points. So, time to time to move on over to the South Carolina-Missouri preview. Oh, man. It's, it's really hard right now because I don't think the Gamecocks are as poor of a team as they have as they've played so far this season. And, you know, the results the results are are, are tough, but I don't think the Gamecocks are that far off. Uh, you look at Missouri, we'll just break them down for you. Um, Brady Cook is the quarterback. He's completed 71% of his passes for 2,054 yards, averages 9.5 yards per attempt, 14 touchdowns, three interceptions, has been sacked 13 times. Um, so... Has been sacked 13 times. Maybe the Gamecocks can get back and and, and put some pressure on him. Um, running the ball, Cody Schrader has 648 yards rushing on the season for an average of 5.7 yards per rush with seven touchdowns. Um, he's kind of a sneaky, fast, and sneaky athletic running back, and he's pretty strong too. Gamecocks will have to do a good job to keep him on the ground. Outside of Schrader, um, Nathaniel Pete has 274 yards um, on the ground. And two touchdowns, averaging 4.4 yards per carry. Um, Cody Schrader has 114 carries, and Pete has 62. So you're going to see a heavy dose of Cody of Cody Schrader. Uh, Receiving-wise, you know they, they have really good receivers. Luther Burden III, who I think might be one of the best wide receivers in the country, has 808 yards receiving with five touchdowns, averaging 14.4 yards per reception. Um, really sneaky. He's, he's a fast kid. Um He's a, he's a really good, really good player. Um, 
Theo Theo Wees Jr. came from Oklahoma. Um, Carolina was loosely connected to him back when Spencer and Austin Stogner came over. 34 catches for 400 yards, um, 11.8 yards per reception, five touchdowns. Um, Mookie Cooper, 302 yards on 22 catches, got no touchdowns. Um, so then they got one, two, three, four guys with over 250, um, 250 yards receiving. Kicking, their their kicker obviously has a powerful leg. We all remember his 60s, whatever yarder it was against um, Kansas State that allowed Missouri to just remain unbeaten at the time. But he's 26 of 27 on extra points, and he is 11 of 17 on field goals attempted. So um, they will put him out there. Um, he is 0-3 on the season on field goals between 40 and 49 yards and two for four on 50-plus yard field goals. Um, looking <coughs> at the team, looking at some team statistics for Missouri, uh, they score 33.9 points per game. Um, let's see, they have a third down completion for, or third down efficiency of 39.5%, fourth down efficiency of 57.14%. Uh, pretty, pretty balanced team, um, you know, as far as, you know, rushes to – to passes, um, they're 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 a good football team. I'll just say it. I mean, they're a good football team. I don't think they're a great football team. Um, so penalties, they have 51 penalties on the season for 390 yards. Um, they have six fumbles on the season. They've only lost two of them, and they have a turnover ratio of one to one. So looking at this game, and you know, right now, let's do let's do the math on it really quickly. But um, I think. What was it? 59 points was the over-under. So 59, 59 divided by 2, 29.5, and hold that number. 7.5 divided by 2. So um, they're, they're basically predicting Missouri to score the amount of points they score on average. So they're saying 33 to about 26 point, 33 to 26 Missouri winning the game. I think that this is a game where, you know, Gamecocks got to let it all hang out. And what I mean by that is the Gamecocks defense needs to just – the offense needs to understand the defense is just going to give up points. And this is a game where I think that you need to do – you need to manufacture points somehow, whether it's turnovers, whether it's, you know, fakes, fake punts, fake kicks, um, returning a touchdown from an interception or returning a – a punt or or a kickoff or a touchdown, I think that points are going to be necessary to win the game. And that yeah, that sounds dumb, but I think the Gamecocks are going to have to score every bit of thirty five points to win this game. I think it's possible. I don't think I don't know if it's probable. Um, that's my issue. I mean, the Gamecocks cannot have turnovers in this game, and um, you know you got to hope for Missouri. Missouri's kind of played to their competition all season long. I mean, even against Kentucky. It was a 21 to 20 game going into the fourth quarter. So the Gamecocks have got to stay connected in this game. Um, it is a 3:30 kickoff. I like that better than it being a night game. Um, I think that the Gamecocks, yeah, there's not much I can say about the Gamecocks. You've watched them. Like the offense is looking pretty daggum good. Um, you know, the Gamecocks have playmakers. The Gamecocks are finally getting a running game going. I think the loss of Vershawn Lee really stung because the offensive line did a really good job against Florida last week. The Gamecocks cannot have a setback on the offensive line and expect to win this game. 
I've watched Jaden Daniels. I've watched other quarterbacks kind of tear up the Missouri defense. Um, I, I know that they can be beat. They can be beat over the top. They can, you know, have missed assignments. They're they're not a world beater on defense. Right now, I, I, for the first time this year outside of Georgia, I just can't predict South Carolina to win the game with what I'm seeing right now um, on defense. I have to see it to believe it at this point. I'm. I mean, at this uh, right now, I don't even know if I would take the Gamecocks plus plus the points. Um, I'd like to think I could. I mean, I'd like to even say like take the Gamecocks to win the game, um, but right now I can't. Um, unfortunately, I see something in the lines of a thirty-eight to twenty-seven, thirty-eight twenty-four type game with Missouri winning. I hope I'm wrong, but I'll go thirty-eight twenty-four Missouri, and it pains me to say that. So, Gamecocks, let's let's prove me wrong. Let's prove me wrong. But um, we'll go into the gambling portion of the show right now. And um, one of my favorite parts of the show, actually, is just you know looking around the rest of the country. And I always try and keep this in um, top twenty-five teams. Um, really quick, um, I'll I'll recap picks from last week. Uh, last week, I I started the season, or I started the week with um, fifteen wins, thirteen losses, and two pushes. So 15, 13, and 2. I had Oregon plus 3, so that game pushed. I had Tennessee minus 3, so that was a win. I had Louisville minus 7.5, and and that was a loss. I had Notre Dame minus 3, that was a win. And I had Missouri plus 2.5, that was a win. So last week I went 3, 1, and 1. So overall I'm 18 wins, 14 losses, and 3 pushes. So we are we are making money right now. We are slowly making money. Five dollar units made twenty bucks, give or take, um, with the juice. So let's make our picks for this week. Um, you know, looking around the the country, got some really really big games this week. Got Penn State, Ohio State. You have Duke at Florida State, uh, Alabama, Tennessee that we talked about earlier. Um, Maybe that's it. <laughs> Maybe there are only so many big games. Uh, Utah and Southern Cal, um, those are two top 20 teams in the country. Um, yeah, so slim pickings for me on the top 25 this week. So, I mean, I might just have to go ahead and and bite the bullet and, and take take some of these big games that we talked about. So, Florida State is a 14.5-point favorite over Duke. Um, the game is in Tallahassee. I will take Florida State to cover the 14 and a half. I think that Duke has been a great story. I think that Florida state has a lot to play for. And I, I think that the, I think Florida state wins that game at home. Uh, Penn state, Ohio state, uh, 12 o'clock on Fox. Ohio state is a four and a half point favorite and over under a 45 and a half. Uh, give me Penn state and give me the points. Penn state plus 4.5. Um, I think both these teams are really, really good. I, I really do. I, I can't trust Ohio State this year, uh, but and I think that Penn State, Penn State's just a crafty team. I like them a lot. Um, I'll go ahead and pick the Tennessee-Alabama game. Just a reminder, Alabama is a nine-point favorite over under 48. Oh, man. I feel like Alabama has a crappy game, and then they come back and have a huge game. Uh, Tennessee really couldn't couldn't move the ball against AM that well. Um, it's at Alabama. 
Um, give me Bama minus nine. I don't like taking that one, but for the sake of the picks, I had to make, I have to make a pick there. So I'll take Alabama minus nine. I think that that, that should be a closer line. I, I mean, I would probably have that at Alabama minus six. So for it to be Alabama minus nine, somebody knows something that I don't. And I, I'm going to ride with the people that know something that I don't on that particular one. Ole Miss and Auburn, oh gosh. <clears throat> um, Ole Miss is 13th in the country, Auburn unranked. Ole Miss minus six and a half, over under 55. I don't think that Auburn's defense is very good. I think Ole Miss's defense is pretty daggum good. So give me Ole Miss minus six and a half. I'll take that. I like that a lot, actually. Um, and going down here, I guess I'll have to pick the last game. It's probably the the best last game of the night. Utah um, at Southern Cal. Utah is 14th in the country. Southern Cal is 18th. Um, Southern Cal is favored by seven, over under 53.5. I think that Southern Cal got embarrassed by Notre Dame. Um, Caleb Williams got really embarrassed against Notre Dame. I don't trust Southern Cal's defense at all, but, you know, minus seven. Do I think that they can just score that many points? That That's the question I'm having to ask myself right now. Can they get a big enough lead where Utah can't backdoor them? I'm going to say, yeah, they can. And I don't like betting on Southern Cal, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take them minus seven. I think it's a bounce-back game. I think they're going to score a lot of points. So to recap, I got Florida State minus 14.5. I got Penn State plus 4.5. Alabama minus 9. Ole Miss minus 6.5. And Southern Cal minus seven. So I want a lot of favorites this week. So I hope that doesn't bite me in the rear end. But really appreciate you guys spending time with me tonight. Um, as always, you know, you give me the most valuable thing you have, which is your time. I never take that for granted. And I'm so thankful for the opportunity to do this with all of you a couple times a week. Um, as a reminder, uh, make sure that you, you check out the uh, Monday night show on YouTube at 9 p.m., um, we'll recap the weekend. Hopefully we're celebrating a Gamecock victory kind of right in the ship before having to travel to Texas A&M. So I um, appreciate your time. appreciate you being here. And um, with that being said, I will talk to you on Monday. I hope you guys have a great weekend. and Go Cox.